Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, well, before you open up your Bibles, well, actually, open up your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 4. Today we are going to have a look at chapter 4, Proverbs. And, and um, you know, once again, uh, welcome everybody and welcome f- to our, our live stream, our home fellowships out there. Uh, we're glad you're joining us. And uh, you know what, we, I consider you guys here just as uh, if you had, you're in the same room. So praise the Lord, it, uh, it's just a great time for us to get together and praise the Lord for technology. We're all together right now. Um, so Proverbs chapter 4, we're going to look at the Proverbs and uh, that specific uh, chapter. And the reason why I mentioned the men's retreat is because there, it, you know, in the men's retreats, the women's retreats, <clears throat> behind the pulpit and Sundays, um, we're trying to convey wisdom and experience and, and what the scriptures teach so that we can live lives, uh, lives that are pleasing to the Lord. So in Proverbs chapter 4, we see something very interesting. I'm going to focus on the latter part of the, the chapter, but I do as I was looking at it, and I thought, man, I can't not include the entire chapter. And once again, there's a, there's a year worth of study, but uh, uh, we're, going to, we're going to put chapter 4 in uh, this uh, this Sunday morning service. Uh, so what are the Proverbs? The Proverbs, of course, are for their wisdom. They are words of wisdom, phrases of, for understanding. Um, they're sayings to convey truth, um, you know, so that we could understand things and avoid certain things in life. So the, a, a list of sayings, things that you would say, you know, like maybe you'd say, like, you know what my mama used to say, and then whatever your mother used to say, words of wisdom that have helped you in life. And so this is a wealth of of wisdom uh, in the book of Proverbs. And Proverbs 4 is, is pretty cool. Um, but uh, there is a wealth of wisdom in the Proverbs, of course. And in chapter 4, there's a lot. It's kind of condensed. And I think it'll help us. It should help us. No, it will help us if we surrender to the Lord and, and, and just receive what he has for us in the entire, in all his word. Um, but in chapter 4, <clears throat> what we're going to look at today so let me ask you to do something right now and just kind of think back or just imagine this. Imagine, think back to when you were of whatever age, when you remember you started to think about wrong things or do wrong things or when you made those decisions that changed your, your life and uh, made you do whatever it was, whatever caused you to change the direction from the Lord or maybe not even, you were never with the Lord or what have you. But think back to whatever age that was, when you started having those issues, those problems, considering drugs, maybe using drugs. Now, imagine that you're there. But imagine this as well, that you're back at that age, whatever it was, and you have the wisdom and experience that you have now. So if, you're, if you have today's wisdom and experience that you have now, understanding of the Lord, and you go back to those days, how different your life would be. What things you would not do, the choices you would, would not make, and maybe the choices you would make. We can look back all day and be maybe even very sad, thinking about things that we should have done. If I only knew, if someone would have only warned me or told me to watch out for this, I would have never ended up here or there. And that's not what today's about. Today is that you are rejoicing because of where you are now. In the fact, when we look back to where we were and the mistakes we made, and unfortunately, maybe we didn't have that wisdom, and here we are um, in, in dealing with whatever it is today, but that, that we look back and we can rejoice and say, the Lord has rescued me. The Lord has saved me. I know better now. And what are you going to do with that wisdom? You're going to pass it on. And so in chapter 4, we see that taking place. We see that taking place here in verse 1. I want to, let's look at a couple of verses in the beginning of the chapter, but again, I want to fo- focus on the latter part. Let's look at uh, Proverbs, and the, there they are. They'll be on the wall and probably on your screens at home, and most of them are there. Uh, so praise the Lord. Make it a little easier for you today. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 1. Solomon to his son, listen to my, listen, my sons, to the instruction of a father and pay attention so that you may gain understanding right there. That one verse speaks volumes for us. Instruction, which is the word is musar, musar, and it means uh, discipline. There's a nurturing behind it, but it means discipline, correction, a chastening. So listen, my son, Solomon is, is writing or he's saying this, um, Listen, uh, my sons, to listen to instruction 
and that you will pay attention so that you may gain what? Understanding. Understanding is bina, and it means to have a meaning, to understand, maybe clarity, like perfectly or perfectly. Understanding something better. So the heart here is to, son, listen to me so that you will have understanding. I want to protect you. Many of us, children, uh, grandchildren perhaps, uh, nephews, friends, listen, brother, listen, daughter. I want to help you. This is what has gone on in my life. This is what I know from life. And we try and convey that. So here he is saying, listen, my sons, to instruction, discipline, correction. In verse 2 it says, for I give you good teaching. Do not abandon my instruction. So he goes on and says, for I give you good teaching. The word good there is pleasant. And it's pleasant. Now, you know what? When you receive wisdom, it's not always, uh, may not always appear pleasant or may not, you may not receive it as pleasant news or pleasant uh, uh, wisdom. It may not always seem pleasant at the time. You know, but consider this. Consider food that is good for you and how yummy that is, right? <laughs> There's a couple of people that are with me that <laughs> food that is good for you isn't necessarily so yummy. Well, and well, it depends on your lifestyle, I guess. Some people just love, like Carol. Carol loves vegetables. She, is that weird? I don't know. But to me, it's weird. <laughs> to me, I'll sit there with my hostess, you know, and she's right there with her vegetables. Very odd. But, um, uh, but consider that. It's not always pleasant, but it's good for her. She's probably a lot healthier than I am, that's for sure, uh, because she eats better. But, you know, I have an, a horrible sweet tooth. And so when you talk about, hey, Steve, you should try eating this. Take, Carol, uh, take these supplements, take these pills. I'm like, okay, it's not really good news for me and eh, whatever. It doesn't get my attention. But when I become ill or sick or feeling weak or something, it gets my attention. So spiritually speaking, it may not sound pleasant at the time, but boy, when we're in trouble, we start thinking, I should have listened to mom. I should have listened to dad. I should have listened to the Lord. So Proverbs uh, 4, um, chapter, look at verse 3 and 4. It says, When I was a son to my father, tender, and the only son in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, Let your heart take hold of my words. Keep my commandments and live. Now, Solomon's writing here, and I don't want to get so deep into you know, the background and what have you, because I want to just convey wisdom to you guys, because that's what he's trying to do here to his sons, and so that we can have a better life, a better journey, a better um, um, uh, time in, on, in this world um, while we're here. Um, but he's, he says, you know what, I, when I was a son to my father, tender, and the only son in the sight of my mother, and it's interesting what's going on there. I, you know, I'm not sure if he's trying to mention something about dad. And mom, and maybe how mom maybe nurtured him, and maybe father wasn't so close as, as, as close. Not sure what's going on here. But I do know he's bringing out some beauty. When I was a son to my father, tender, and the only son in the sight of my mother, he taught me. Man, there might be a, some of you in here that can look back and say, you know what, my father didn't teach me. My father didn't talk to me. You know, I'll mention something about my father recently, in a little bit. But my father, when he spoke, it was like that whole E.F. Hutton thing, you know, for me, because I was so starving to hear from him. And so when he spoke, I'd listen to everything he'd say. And so I picked up some things. And, uh, but here it says, he taught me and said to me, let your heart take hold of my words, keep my commandments and live. That's love. Son, listen to me. Listen to me. Now, his father, Solomon, who's writing this, is David. And David, you know, wasn't the best father. He wasn't the best father, and you know what? Neither are we, because we're not perfect. We make mistakes, and uh, we make mistakes that we need to own up to. When you're a parent, you're learning as you go. You know, if you have 20 kids, you know, the ones that are going to benefit more are the ones down the line, because you've learned things, how to do things maybe better, more loving, more careful, with more consideration, whatever the case might be. But he, you know what, He's not, he wasn't the best father. And you know what, neither, again, neither are we. But you know what the parents are doing? So I'm trying to speak also to young people, not only young people, because us old people need to learn and we need to listen to the Lord. 
You know, we are, we are children of, of, of the Lord, and we need to listen to him. He's saying the same thing, the same endearing words. Listen, sons. Listen, daughters. Listen to me. Don't forsake my teachings. So, <clears throat> but when, when we do this as parents, when you've done that to your, par- your children and you've said things to them, you, you, it's fueled by love. We're trying to steer them uh, in, a, in, a, in a, a life that will protect them. You're trying to correct them. You're trying to steer them right. You're trying to guard them, protect them. You're trying to help them avoid making the same stupid mistakes we've made. And boy, if, if we could just open up our hearts for our children to see how much love is there and the reason why we're saying these things, and if we can just take them back and show a videotape of the ugliness of our lives, perhaps they would grasp it. Perhaps they would say, whoa, I did not know that, Mom. I didn't know that about you. I didn't realize it was that bad as you're showing me. But if they could see that, they would heed. They would pay attention. So young people, you know, keep that in mind. King David, you know, now Proverbs, words of wisdom, uh, trying to encourage uh, and build up your friends, children, what have you. Um, in First Kings uh, chapter 1, verse 6, we read something about King David. And it, it simply says this. His father, it says his father, speaking of one of his sons, his father had never crossed him at any time by asking, why have you done so? You see, there's a time where King David wasn't correcting um, Adonijah. He was not correcting him, or he never corrected him. He never crossed him. In other words, that word crossed, it means to rebuke or to carve, to shape. He never shaped his son. He didn't help and remove things from him, guard him and make him the man that he should have been. And so it points out that he never crossed this son. We are failing the Lord if we are not carving our children. We are failing the Lord if we're not allowing him to shape us. So that's something to keep in mind as we look at this proverb, uh, chapter 4. <clears throat> but see, Solomon here, he had this, this was his father. And Solomon picked up things from his father. Obviously, when we go through the book of uh, Proverbs, you, you see, wow, he picked up a lot of things. David had a lot of wisdom, I'm sure, because he experienced a lot of life. And so he had a lot of lessons to teach, the bad things and, of course, the, the, the victories that he had. But so now here, Solomon is picking up from his father things that he's passing down, and, and that, that uh, Solomon's passing these things down that he picked up from his father, David. And so parents... We have, it goes without saying, lots of wisdom and lots of love to go with it. Wisdom, now, it depends, experience, we've experienced a lot of things. And so I'm speaking to you young people this. Sometimes it's not pleasant to hear from your parents again when they're sharing like, oh, mom, you've told me that 51 times now. And, you know, but it's because of love, wisdom, and they're trying to protect and steer us in the right way. And the same thing with the Lord trying to steer us. And you know what? Unfortunately, though, as parents, we don't always convey it in a, in a way with um, consideration, gentleness. We're so concerned. Oh, no, they might be going in the wrong direction. And we go over there figuratively and we say, stop, don't go this way. Oh, what way, mom? I'm just, you know, and we, and we get out. I say, I keep using mom, dad, dad, you know, what, what's up? You know, and because we're so concerned. And we might not always do it the best, but understand your parents are fueled by love and care for you, and they want to direct you. And we have to understand that for us that are older, that the Lord is trying to care for us. He's trying to protect us. And so I think of um, my, uh, my father. I think of my father, and my grandfather, his father, was a Christian, a Christian man. And he was a very quiet man, and I never, never really knew him didn't have much to say, and he always, though, whenever I would see him, uh, because my parents separated, you know, when I was young, but when I would go to my dad and he would be with his parents, grandfather would always see him. He's always, always carrying a tool. He always had a hammer in his hand or a saw, or he had sawdust on him. He was always doing something, always working. But my dad picked up some things from him, and it was obvious to me in later in my life that he picked up some Christian things, principles from my grandfather. In fact, um, there's a verse that says, um, a person of too many friends comes to ruin. 
but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Years ago, when I was a little guy, I remember my father saying, maybe not that little teenager, and my father saying something like, you know what, son, or however he said it, you know what, the more friends you have, the more problems you'll have. I thought, hmm, okay, I guess. I don't know. And there's, there's that principle, and that principle can be argued a couple of ways in 1824. But the more friends you have, the more problems you have. How you're choosing your friends, why you're choosing your friends, what are your friends involved in? And it made a lot of sense as I grew up older. Um, I wish I would have just had more of these, more consistent things being brought down to me. You, there's also uh, <laughs> Proverbs, um, in Proverbs 7, it speaks of the harlot. It speaks of the woman who, who, who the, the guy who, you know, Solomon says, I saw this guy and he's going to the way of the harlot. And she says, let's have our caresses all night and, you know, whatever. And so um, Solomon is saying, stay away from her. The path of, to her leads to hell and, and, and on and on. And I remember uh, my father summed up pretty much chapter 7 this way. He said, son, there are some girls you marry and some you don't. And I said, okay. And I thought about this one. And you know what? It goes both ways, too, to the daughters. You know what? There's some guys you marry and some you don't. Because there's so much trouble if you are going after someone who is like that harlot. Someone who says, let's enjoy our caresses all night. Someone that takes you down that path. And I'm speaking to the ladies as well. It goes both ways. But my dad said that, and I thought, wow, you know what? I, I've shared that one with my son. <laughs> I've uh, shared and said, this is what he meant, okay? This is my dad's saying. But interesting. But if your parent, you know, <laughs> um, doesn't supply you with wisdom in the most tactful way or in the most considerate way or in a way that is considering how you feel because he just wants to help, um, don't throw out that wisdom. Just don't throw out the wisdom because of the tact or the way it's brought or conveyed to you. We're learning. As parents, we're learning. You know, here I am, um, you know, 42 years old. No. Here I am, 50. <laughs> okay, like, what? How old am I, Carol? I don't know. 50, uh, 55? Four. 54. That's right. She's older than me. She's right. Um, but here I am saying, you know what, we're learning. Because I'm still learning. You know what? I, I've never had children that were 25 and 23 years old. I never had them before, you know? Everything's new. Every year is new. And so us learning to be children of God helps when we're trying to help our children. Amen? So uh, don't throw it all out because, you know, mom or dad says it a certain way or what have you. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 5. Verse 5 says this. Acquire wisdom, exclamation point. Acquire wisdom, acquire understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. So here he's saying acquire wisdom, acquire understanding. That word acquire is kana, and it means to, it, uh, to buy, to purchase. So he's saying in the Hebrew pretty much buy wisdom. It's sort of like uh, implying it's going to cost you. You're going to pay a price buying into wisdom and having understanding. What does that mean? And we can look at what does it mean? It's going to pay a, you're going to pay a price. We're going to pay a price applying wisdom and this understanding that we have, especially in this world. You're going to lose friends. You're going to be hated. You're going to have enemies because you're simply obeying the Lord. So he's saying acquire wisdom. It's going to cost you. But you know what? It will be worth it. It all pays off, is what he's saying. And so Proverbs chapter 4, it continues to go on. We have from verses 6 to 13. Uh, it speaks of wisdom. And wisdom, and it personifies it, if you will, it, it, that she is valuable and that she will watch over you. She will guard you. It'll be like a crown of beauty. So he goes on and he explains wisdom and the beauty of it. And then... Um, basically the benefits of wisdom. And so it's like you're telling your, your, your children, listen, if this is what following the Lord is going to do this in your life. This is the way your life will be. Sure, there will be these things, but as a believer, this is what you have ahead when you die. This is the kind of life you will live. This is what you'll guard yourself from. And so then in verses 14 through 17, he warns of the wicked. What parent has not warned their children about the wicked or bad children or you stay away from her? 
You stay away from him because this or that. And you know what? I've always said this. We have to be very careful because poor little um, kid down the street might be a great kid, but he has horrible upbringing or parents. And if we are to tell our children something like, you know what? You stay away from that little guy, Ralph, down the street. You know, his parents are, you know, they're this and they're that, and he's learning these, and I've heard what he says, and he's a horrible little guy. You just stay away from that guy. Well, now if they share a class together, and let's say they share the same interest, and they're both little artists, and they happen to get teamed up, and they're like, oh, no, I'm with Ralph. Dad said, watch out for this guy. He's trouble. He's, he's no good. And then they show, and, and the little Ralph starts says, hey, you know what you should do? Shade like this. See, I've learned this. And he goes, whoa, bro, that's cool. And then he realized this guy has some talent. And he says, this guy's really cool. He's not scary and ugly like my dad said. My dad doesn't know what he's talking about. What have we done? What have we done if we try and paint that picture in the wrong way? And so we have to be very careful when we warn about the wicked or the lost because we need to tell our little Johnny that you need to love Ralph. Unfortunately, these are some things and this is where he might end up if the Lord doesn't jump, he doesn't allow the Lord in his life. So when we share, stay away. In 14 through 17, we see Solomon telling him to stay away from the wicked people, to avoid them. And those are words of wisdom. And he goes on to verse 18. And in verse 18 is where I want to pretty much camp out, the last part of this chapter, because it paints this picture of a journey for us. Now look at Proverbs 4.18. And in the English Standard Version, it says, But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. So with this verse right here, the, the, the picture we were given, brighter and brighter until full day. It's like right now, what time is it? It's about 10, almost 10. It's almost 10, so it's cool outside. But what, what time does it get full day? Uh, like 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock? full sun. So you get the, the, the high of the, the temperature. It's giving us the picture like the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn when we begin, when we begin our journey, if you will, in life. It's like the light of dawn. There's a beauty and it's beginning and you watch it and it gets brighter and brighter and brighter if we acquire wisdom, if we do not forsake instruction. We will become brighter and brighter more mature, more wise, until full day. Full day, perhaps, till we are with the Lord, until perfection. But there's this journey, and this word path, a rock, it means a path, it means a road, or a way of living, a journey. You look at that as our journey. It should be brighter and brighter. Our days should be becoming brighter and brighter. We should be becoming more mature, more wise as the days go on, and not regressing. So brighter and brighter till we die. Um, so life is like this one long journey. I mean, it, it, now, life can be looked at like this, like a long road trip, a long journey that you prepare for. You know, you're going to, if you don't prepare, you're going to watch out for traffic. You're going to have dead ends. You know, there's scenic routes. There's car problems you have to deal with and expect. So you have to consider all these things. And so liken it to... Um, a, a journey or a road trip. How many of us do road trips? We carefully plan to maximize the trip. We, we get online and we find out where we're going to stop, where we're going to stay, where we're going to eat. Don't avoid those roads. Uh, this one has tractors on it all the time. Let's go this way. And so you pre-plan. So you'll have a better journey, a better trip. We, do, we have to do the same way spiritually. What does the word say about these things in life and the decision I want to make? And we plan ahead. And we purposely plan our road trips to minimize delays and problems. Well, likewise, with our lives, we have to say, what do I need to avoid? Well, my father always said, the Bible says, and it will guard us and protect us. But you know what? Think of it like driving, what you're going to experience when you drive. You know, like, for example, consider my wife, Carol. <clears throat> Last night, I says, Carol, remind me of that story again. She goes, oh, no. Why? Are you going to share it? And I said, well, yeah, I want to share it a little bit. And so she gave me permission. But Carol, my wife, who has no sense of direction, <laughs> at age 17, okay, we're going back, 
age 17. It's uh, two years before I met her. Uh, um, And she still has no sense of direction. But here's Carol, my wife. And she's in Pasadena. The story goes like this. And maybe I should have her come up and share it. Carol, would you like to come up? Yes? No, she doesn't. But um, she, I don't want to blow it and whatever. But she's in Pasadena. She's 17 years old, no sense of direction, and she needs to get home. Yeah, right? You ever see those little maps on, you know, on the, for kids, and it's like a little maze? Get Johnny home. You know, you're like, okay. Just a hint. When you do those, start at the other side. Work back. Anyway. So here's Carol, 17. She's got to get home, and she starts driving. She's driving. And, uh, you know, she's, she gets kind of lost. So she gets lost over and over. And so here's Carol driving. She gets lost and she's freaking out. So she stops, pulls over. And this is the age before cell phones, right? So she needs to stop and get to a payphone. Calls her father. Dad, I'm, I'm, I'm lost. You know, I'm, I'm trying to get home. Well, you know, where are you? Tell me what streets you're on. And she tells him. And she tells him. He goes, okay, do this. Go that way. Get on that freeway and come home. So she does. Doesn't work. She gets more lost. So then she finds herself stopping at payphones, calling her father, talking to strangers. How do I get here? Oh, yeah, no problem. Just go there, make a left turn, and what have you. And so they're, they're instructing her. She's getting all this advice, and she continues to get lost for hours. In Southern California, she travels everywhere for about a half a day, I hear. Um, until, and so, you know, that, that, so she's traveling, and then um, after all these hours, just going back and forth across Southern California, um, she, she, she really freaks out when she's driving, and she sees a sign that says Tijuana. She starts to freak out. She says she doesn't remember if she was, whatever, hyperventilating or panicking and crying and thinking, I'm never going to go back home. I'm never going to get back home and what have you. And, uh, but it all ended well because apparently that sign read Tahunga. <laughs> so praise the Lord. Carol came back and I met her at 19. <laughs> My sweetheart. So, so consider our lives to not be like Carol driving around Southern California. We, need, we, want, we know where we want to go. We all want to get to heaven. We all want to be with the Lord. We all want to spend eternity with God. And so we have to consider, wow, my life is like that, like a journey. I need to watch where I drive, plan, make sure I avoid the traffic, make sure I know the shortcuts. Um, well, there's not any shortcuts in the Lord. It is like one shortcut, though. Avoid all the mess and go straight to the Lord. So anyway, um, Proverbs 4.18, here we go. But the path of the righteous is like full light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter in full day. Now, like the road trips, we want to be prepared. Look at verse 19. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. So Solomon starts to say, listen, your, your life, you, this is the way your life can be. And you'll be greater and greater and you'll do great things, son, daughter, friend. You'll do great things and you'll be right with the Lord. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. So here he goes back into verses that he was talking about the wicked in more detail, but he throws it in here. And so we have to watch out. The way of the wicked, the manner of life. The manner of life of the wicked, and the wicked here, he says, he refers to them as the guilty. Criminals is what he's saying here. And he refers to that deep darkness as dark gloominess calamity. So you see the picture he's painting is it's a a ruined life. It'll be a horrible life of darkness. And they don't even know what causes them to stumble. Or in other words, in this original word, to stagger, to be feeble, to bring injury or ruin to. They don't know why their life is so messed up. They don't know why they're so empty, in other words. We, knowing the Lord now, we know why we were so empty We know why we were so lonely, why we were so sad, why we were so convicted, why when Christians would walk in the room, we'd feel guilty, or why when Christian radio would come on, you would quickly change it. So here he's talking about them, how this deep darkness that they go through. And have you ever been driving through the desert and just shut your lights off to see how dark it is? I have. Don't do that. For you young people that I'm trying to give wisdom to, don't do that. It, it is um, just, um, you know, just, I'll tell you how it's like so you don't have to do it. It's cool. It's actually pretty cool. Because it's, 
<laughs> it's pretty dark. I mean, <laughs> you know, but it's dangerous. Cool, but dangerous. It's like, you know, you won't know what, what made you crash. Well, you will because the lights are off. But it, you turn that off. I've done it with driving with Carol through the desert. And I, what are you doing? I go, it's dark. You know, okay, well, I know that. So I go, but look how dark it is, you know. But it is really interesting. But that's the way the wicked live their lives, in darkness. And they don't know what they stumble over. And he's trying to help his son in saying, listen, that's, a, that's not the way you want to go. You want to go in the way that is brighter and brighter. So we need to watch out. Look at Proverbs 4, verse 14 and 15. If you back up, he, he says this. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not proceed in the way of the evil people. Um, avoid it. Do not pass by it. Turn away from it and pass on. Just get away. Avoid it. It's like telling your, your children or your daughter, look, whatever you do, don't go walking in dark alleys in Los Angeles. Okay? Don't go walking in alleys at all, whether it's in the midday nowadays. So that's what he's saying is watch out. Proverbs 4.16 says, maybe I don't have those. Proverbs 4.16 says, For they cannot sleep unless they do evil, and they are robbed of sleep unless they make someone stumble. So the, the point here is, you know what? As much as we as believers want to do right and see people saved, the world wants to do wrong and see people lost. Misery loves company. And have, if you've ever been around people that are like, wow, what do you mean you don't drink? What do you mean? Why not? Have one. Come on. You know, they try and, and encourage you because they, they don't want to be alone. Because when we walk into a room, there should be conviction. Well, there is conviction because the Holy Spirit is saying, this guy's life is brighter and brighter and brighter. And you know the darkness you sit in. And it makes them uncomfortable. And so they want to bring them down. And he's trying to tell his son, and we should tell our sons and daughters, and we should listen to the Lord when he tells us, stay away, because they will damage you. They will hurt you. And so misery, as I said, loves company. But for us, Psalm uh, 119.105, in the New Living Translation, says it this way, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. His word will guide us. His word will guide us in, those, in our lives so that we do become brighter and brighter. Look at Proverbs 4.20. He says, my son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ears to my sayings. Now, attentive means to pay attention. Incline your ears. Listen up. Pay attention is what he's saying. Pay attention. Don't just sit there and listen to me and look at everything around the room and what have you. Pay attention. I want to get you. I want to talk to you here. Incline. Nata means to literally to extend or stoop to hear. If you hear something, if you've ever been around your house, and I, this happens to me a lot, especially with my hearing getting worse, is I'll hear things and I'll be like, what is that? Pause the TV and I'm like, what is that? And I'll stoop. I'll stoop around. Where, what is, oh, it's the hard drive or whatever, a fan. And so he's giving us the, the picture here, attentive. Pay attention. I mean, to the point where you're leaning in. Listen to me. That's the way we should be to the Lord, not, okay, Lord, I'm listening. It's like, Lord, I'm listening on your knees, bowed before the Lord. We want to see our children look at us and say, like, when you say, hey, son, listen up. Yeah, Dad, what's up? You want to see that they want to hear. They need to hear. There's wisdom to be heard, and there's wisdom for us to receive from the Word. So um, that word kashab is interesting. It, it, it means to... Um, it means to pay attention. And you know what? We are like usually asking the Lord, asking him to pay attention. There's a lot of scriptures where we're, we're reaching out to him and saying, you know, Lord, um, listen to me or he, pay attention to this, pay attention to that. And, and he does. He does. In fact, throughout the, the Psalms, the, the psalmist is using that word kashab towards God. And in Psalm 10, 17 we see something interesting. It says, O oh Lord, you, you have heard the desire of the humble. You will strengthen their heart. You will, kashab, incline your ear. You will pay attention to us. You will be attentive to us. The, the scriptures show us that God pays attention. When we start to pray, he, he's listening. He stoops. He pays attention to us. How much more should we pay attention to him? When he speaks. So it's a pretty picture right there. Proverbs 4, 21. Look at this verse here. 
You ever talk to your kids and, you're, and they're playing a video game? And you're saying, hey, listen up. I need this room cleaned. And they're like, okay. Like, I'm over here, you know. All right, pause your game. Give me your attention. Pay attention. <laughs> For years, I would do that with Johnny. But I, what I would do is say, Johnny, pause your game. I wait. I wait. He pauses it. Okay, then he'd look at me and then we'd talk. Because I wanted to make sure I had his attention. Because life has a lot of distractions. And we need to have their attention. We need to make sure, you know, constantly we are calling out to God. Think of the kid this way. When kids talk to their parents, and I'm saying this for you young people, because you want, you want your parents to listen to you at certain times when you're saying, hey, mom, for Christmas, this is what I would like. Okay, son. No, no, but wait a minute. It, it needs to be orange and the model X5. And, and also, if, don't get the, the, the model 2. It has to be the third one because the third one has a Bluetooth. And you want them to pay attention so that they get it right. And so, parents, likewise, pause the game. I want your attention. Can you clean up the room, please? But pay attention. I want it vacuumed. I want the bed made. I want this done and that done. And so you give them a list because you want to make sure they grasp it. We look to God to make sure that he understands my full trial. He knows, and he pays attention. Likewise, we should do the same. Proverbs 4.21. Let them not escape your sight. Keep them within your heart. Here he goes, listen to me, son. Don't let them escape. Don't let them loose is the word. Lose. And it means to go wrong, to go, go crooked or perverse. Lost from view. Let's not lose from sight the Lord, the Lord's uh, words, his instruction. Let's be sure that we don't go crooked, that we don't go the wrong way. You see, right now, or maybe before, wherever you are in life right now, when we know the word of God. We know what he says. We know what the word means. But you know what? Don't go changing them. Don't go redefining them because you met a new friend. Don't redefine them because I really want to marry her. Don't start redefining things or changing things because you know what? We know the word. We know what our father said. We know what our mom said. And when the Johnny or whoever, the kid, Ralph, down the street says, oh, yeah, but, you know, we'll just go for five minutes. Well, my mom said not to spend the day there. Five minutes is not the whole day. Don't redefine. You know what mom said. So um, do not go crooked. Do not uh, change things. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, and if you want, quote it with me, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. We need to guard ourselves that we're not ruining what the Lord has built in us, what he's growing in us by messing with the wrong people, by justifying sin. Um, Biblical wisdom can be perverted very easily uh, for young people. Um, Watch out for that friend or that acquaintance. Uh, Ecclesiastes 9.18 says, Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. What a contrast. One sinner destroys much good. We have to watch out for that foolish talk you hear in college campuses that destroys the faith of many. In Colossians 2.8, it says, See to it that there is no one who takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception in accordance with human tradition, in accordance with the elementary principles of the world, rather than in accordance with Christ. Don't let the foolish talk of a college professor destroy your faith or cause you to uh, redefine God's word. It says to keep them within your heart, or in the midst of your heart, depending on your Bible version. Tavek. And Tavek means the center, the middle, the interior, like interior inside of a home. And when you look at that, my heart, like a home in the middle, keep it in the middle of my, the center of my heart. If we look at the, the heart like a, like a house, it's not saying keep it in the basement. Things just get put away in the basement forgotten. I mean the basement or, or the attic, either one, or in the spare bedroom. It's saying put it in the center, in the living room where you live. Put the word of God in the center of our hearts in every action I take, every move I make, that it is centered, Christ-centered, because it's in the center of my, my heart. Proverbs 4.22 says this, For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. You see, we want a good life. We want a pleasant life. 
We want a blessed life. We, to be able to say, you know what, my life is blessed. Yeah, you know what, I may not have a lot of money. I may not have this. I may not own that. But my life is blessed because I know the Lord. Because I live right. I obey God. And you will know what it's like to be that blessed person by following the Lord. And for our children, we want our children's lives to be blessed. Solomon wants his son to be blessed. He wants his children to be blessed. He doesn't want them to have the hard road or the hard journey. We don't want a hard and tough journey. If I'm going to travel somewhere driving, I am not going to look up the, the, the most desolate drive. I want the beauty I want, I want to see the, the beautiful things, the good things. I want to avoid traffic. I want it to be nice. And that's, they, these words, his word, his instruction, wisdom, they are for, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Jesus said this. Let's see what Jesus has to say. In Luke chapter 11, verse 28, it says this. But he said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. So he says two things there. Blessed are those who are hearing the word and are keeping it. Much like Solomon's trying to say, keep it, hold on to the word. Don't get it, don't lose it. Don't let it get crooked or, or perverted. The words here that Jesus uses, hear the word, who hear the word is akuo. And akuo means to give heed, to comprehend by hearing. It's almost like when, you, when the phrase is someone's telling you something and you're really paying attention, where you can say, you know what, I hear you. I hear you, man. I hear what you're saying. In other words, I connect. I'm, I'm actually paying attention to the point where I can comprehend what you're saying. So Jesus is saying, for those who are able to say, I hear what you're saying, Lord, I hear what you're saying. Not just, I'm hearing you. I hear it. And then he says, and they keep it, fulaso, is to guard or to protect or to keep your eye on it. In other words, it uses, it's being used or has been used to speak of the vigilance of shepherds for their flock. Keeping an eye to guard the flock from dangers, what they need, taking them to greener fields. And the same way, are we, the way we should um, have the word of God in our hearts. Guard it. It's precious. It's life to those who, are, who find it. Proverbs uh, 30, verse 5, we mentioned on Wednesday. Every word of God proves true. In the New Living Translation, it says, every word of God proves true. Uh, he is a shield to all those who come to him for protection. And that word shield, other than meaning a literal shield, is rooted to, to defend, to surround, to be surrounded by his protection when we fill our lives with the word of God. Interesting takes place here in Proverbs 4.23. We see a shift to, to uh, four major uh, points. And it has to do with taking responsibility, or in other words, you've heard this, own your faith. When we want our young people to own their faith, where we're no longer saying, hey, let's go to church. Hey, we're going to church. It's like, Dad, we're late for church. Mom, come on, we got to get to church. And not because of the cute girl or the cute guy, but because they want to go and worship God. Owning your faith is key. And, it, and here in verse four, uh, 423, chapter 4, verse 23, he speaks of the heart. He goes on to speak about four things, and he, one of them is the heart. It's the heart, the mouth, the eyes, and the feet. Verse 23, keep your heart with all vigilance and from it, for from it flow the springs of life. Guard your heart is what he's saying. Keep, not, not sar is the word. The Hebrew not sar means to guard, to watch over, to guard from dangers, to be blockaded. In either word, protect. So keep um, his word. Keep your heart with all vigilance. Guard it at all costs. Guard it at all costs. If you've taken, um, um, you know, self-defense lessons or courses or whatever it might be, you're, you're trained how not to stand, how to guard, how to be ready all the time, how to have distance, how to protect yourself because you want to guard because someone, you don't want someone to just come out and, and give you, you know, one of those uh, cheap shots. 
because you're just putting out your chest or whatever it is. It's saying guard, keep distance, keep your eyes, be vigilant. So the same thing with keep our heart, guard our hearts because the enemy wants to get close. And if you allow him too close, he'll knock you out. He'll put you down. So we want to look at this and know that, wow, I need to guard my heart from dangers. I need to watch over it and the things that I do. Um, in Proverbs 6.20, it says this. In Proverbs 6.20, it says, My son, observe, guard, not sar. My son, not sar, the commandment of your father, and do not forsake the teachings of your mother. You know, I look at this because the word is being used. My son, you know, listen to your father's commandments and the teachings of your mother. Mother and father. What jumps out on the page for me right here is how important mom and dad need to be on the same page. Got to be on the same page, parents. We will learn the hard way if you're not on the same page. Because then they'll play mom or they'll play dad for whatever they need or whatever they're desiring, whatever the desires of the flesh. So this, when mom and dad aren't on the same page, when father's commandments and mother's teaching don't match, son goes to mom. She's a pushover. Goes, Dad, dad's too busy. He's, he'll, just, he'll say yes. So we have to guard ourselves and watch out. Man, that's a recipe for our children. It's for failure, compromise, um, complacency, um, uh, deception. If mom and dad are not on the same page. That is a good study for another day, but just pointing this out is, is, is maybe enough. You know, uh, you don't want little junior uh, saying, you know, I prefer mom's instructions. You know, interesting, when my kids were young, uh, with Carol and I, that was, that was uh, very important for us, same page. If we weren't on the same page, we'd go and get on the same page. Nobody knew. Kids didn't know. We'd make sure we'd get on the same page. We'd work it out. We'd pray about it. We'd come to an understanding. And then we'd both come out equal force on the same page. Mates all the difference. However, there was a time with Carol and I, and it, it, it's kind of interesting. You'll say, oh, that's no big deal. It's kind of funny, actually. Is that, remember I said I have a sweet tooth? Well, the kids knew I had a sweet tooth. So yeah, yeah. So and we, you know, when we had the little guys, there was no sugar, whatever. What, why have sugar? You're just a little baby, you know, a little kid, and all that stuff and everything. But as he got older, you know, he had a little. We let him have a little bit. So when we, Carol and I, would run out to lunch and we would go to lunch, and you know, the kids would text us or call us. They would call us. Our phone would be ringing, and I go, "Oh, it's Lauren." Oh, whatever. Is if we're out eating, Carol's phone's ringing, and they want mom. They want my mom. This mom that. If my phone rang. They wanted cookies. And see, so they knew that we weren't on the same page there necessarily. It's kind of cute. It's kind of funny. And, you know, we kind of, I guess, allowed that. But, uh, but, of course, we didn't just say, yeah, have at it. It was like, okay, just one, you know, whatever. But they knew, and that's an innocent way, if you will. But imagine on the things of life. No, I don't think you should be doing this. What would your mom say? Uh, you know what? All right, look, do it this way. Just don't tell your mom. Wow, that is a recipe for failure. That's another message, and we'll get to that another time. So um, Proverbs 19, 27 says, Stop listening to instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. Got to guard it, man. We got to watch out. Proverbs 16, 17 says, The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He who watches his way or guards his way or not saw his way preserves his life. We have to be actively guarding our lives. If, if not, we find, we're going to get in a lot of trouble. Um, there's no cruise control on this journey, on this road trip of life. There's no cruise control. I'm a believer, and now everything's going to be fine and whatever. I go to church every Sunday. It's, we have to guard and protect our hearts. Proverbs 4, 24, it says this. Next, from the, from the heart, we're speaking of the mouth. And he says, put away from you crooked speech and devious talk, far from you. Put it away from us. Put away, the word there is suor. Suor means to depart. Uh, uh, um, depart from away or uh, to avoid something. So he's saying to avoid, um, you know, put away crooked speech. Crooked speech is so easily to get caught up in. Proverbs 13.3 says this. The one who guards or soars his mouth preserves his life. The one who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. 
Interesting about this verse, opened wide his lips. It speaks, the, the words here in the Hebrew refer to language, the mouth, opens wide, large. It's almost like I'm seeing uh, warnings about not being a big mouth. The one who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. And I'm not just making that up either. It's saying someone who has a large opens up their mouth really wide, a big mouth. So we don't want to be a person with a big mouth going through life and I have the answers to everything. Or to listen to me or whatever it is, look at me, whatever it might be. We want to have our words that are seasoned with salt. That people want to hear us, that we are edifying. Ephesians 4.29 speaks of, of edifying and, and um, um, people with, uh, with our words. Um, Proverbs 4.25. Look at verse 4.25. He moves on to the eyes and says, Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Look, that word means to scan intently, to regard with favor. So um, let your eyes look directly, scan intently, be careful what you're looking at. Be careful and know where you're going. Look and, and your gaze be straight. Straight means to be upright, to be pleasing. You know, that's the desire of Solomon to his children. That's the desire of all of us as parents for our children. We want our sons and there's three Three things, if you will, maybe even more. Of course, there's more. And you'll know what I mean when I say this. Three important things that we want from our children, that we want to see in their lives. Number one, that they are followers of Christ. Number two, they are followers of Christ. Number three, they are followers of Christ. That's what's important. That's the prayer and the hope of my heart, that my children would be followers of Christ. That's the key to life. Don't care how much money you make. Don't care what you have, your title or whatever, or your achievements, that they're a follower of Christ. They do all those things incredible because not only that, they're a follower of Christ. And so Solomon is trying to get his children to follow and have wisdom and not to forsake these teachings. And so that's the, um, the desire for our, our desire for our children to, to let your eyes look directly so us, God is telling us as, as older people, let our eyes continually to scan and watch out where we go and what we do. Um, and look at verse 26. Verse 26 says, uh, speaking of the feet, ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Ponder, to weigh, to, to weigh out things, to make level, to balance, is what he's saying. Consider the things you're doing in life. Weigh it out. Does it make sense with the scriptures? We have to be very careful that we have a balanced walk. Ponder the path of your feet. Ponder uh, the path of your feet. Um, and it says, then all your ways, or that word direct means your road or your journey will be sure. Your journey will be firmly established is what it's teaching there. So consider the things we're doing. Consider the, the options that you have before you. That you're weighing them out with the word of God. That you're being very careful to watch the path of your feet so that your journey will be established. In other words, consider where we're headed. I'm at the point where I don't want to leave any scriptures out. Established. To be established. I'll read these. Psalm 37, 23 says, The steps of a man are established by the Lord, and he delights in his way. The Lord delights in our ways when we're established, when we allow, when we're surrendered to him, and we allow him to lead our lives, and then that we're trying to lead our lives on our own, on our own will. Uh, it goes on in verse 24. Uh, when he falls, he will not be hurled headlong because the Lord is the one who hold, holds his hand. The Lord is holding our hands. You think about this. Um, Psalm 46.1 says this. God is our refuge and our strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. That's who we serve. That's who we're surrendered to. The one that's always ready to assist, to help. And think about this as parents, about assisting or protecting. How many of us, when our children were learning to walk, were watching them walk and letting them on their own, but were like this. Whoa, 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 we got you. Whoa, I got you. Sometimes it was like, whoops, I didn't get you. And you're like, but you're gonna, you pick them up, and you're like, oh, it's, it's all right, it's all right. Don't give up. Let's do it again. 
But that's the way the Lord is with us. He's holding our hands. When you, te- you taught your son or daughter to ride a bike and with, with or without training wheels, without training wheels, and you're right there behind them and you try and keep up with them and you're there to help them when they fall. But you were lovingly doing this because they're scared, thinking, I can't even touch the floor. And that's wrong if they can't touch the floor. But if you're putting them on the bike and, and you let them go, you say, please don't fall. But you're there to help them because of your love, your care, protection, and you want them to learn. And so we see this beautiful picture, the same with the Lord. Proverbs 4.27. Proverbs 4.27. Let's read that one. This is our journey in a nutshell. Um, Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Let me read that again. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. This is our journey. It speaks of what the bottom line of what our journey should look like. The instructions for our journey. And the question we would ask is, are you prepared for yours? Have you been preparing for you? Is it, does it show in your journey? Do you avoid all the traffic? Do you know where to eat, where to stay, who to hang out with? Because you've looked through uh, in advance. Where will our hearts, our eyes, our mouths, our feet take us? Will they continue to direct us to the Lord? Will they keep us on our journey in the way that we should be going? For us old people, what is the remainder of our life going to look like? What is the remainder of our journey going to look like? Is it going to be brighter and brighter? Or, and brighter? And the young person, to the young person, what is your journey looking like so far? What would you like it to look like? These are questions that we need to ask ourselves, serious questions, and not fool ourselves and say, well, I want this, but I'm going to get there this way because that's when we get into trouble. That's when you break down and you're out of connection and, and you're, out, you're uh, in a, you know, out in the desert with your lights off. You turn your lights off in the middle of the desert and crash because you're messing around in your walk. Do not swerve. Swerve means nata. It means do not stretch. Um, um, or it means stretch out to extend, stoop to hear. Do not stoop to hear. Remember that? Not saw, not ta. Do not swerve to the right or left. Go forward to the Lord. Don't be like, whoa, hey, what's your name? Well, what church you go to? Oh, you don't go to church? Oh, well, what's your name? What, you know, you're swerving, you're moving to the left. You've stooped to go the wrong way, to listen to something. Turn your foot from evil. That word, sur is to depart. It means to avoid again. In other words, watch out for those road hazards. Be alert. You know what? There's, you don't put life on cruise control and just go. If there's something in the road, you watch out. You avoid. You don't go left or right. You just avoid. And so the picture here, I think, is, is beautiful. Life isn't, isn't uh, it's not free from all these temptations and trials and what have you. You know what? I'll, I'll say this. On the road, um, when you're driving on the road, this is something I see and I, I pay too much attention to it is I'm on the road and, you know, you get there to a stoplight and then you see a, this distance between two cars and you're like, well, whatever, or be, behind you, whatever. You, you, you know that people are just uh, distracted. They're swerving when they're driving. They're, they're not changing. You know, they're just looking. Look, they look distracted. And usually, what is the reason? Because they're texting. Their phone. They're texting. They might even be talking. But they're texting and they're driving on the freeway you know, holding the thing and they're texting. And, it, and the thing that gets me is I like, <laughs> you know what I've actually said? No, yeah, okay. What I've actually, <laughs> I've actually said, and Carol said, well, whatever. Carol's my balance. She's like, no, you're not going to do that. So, you know, I want to make a website. Take a picture of everybody that does this and say, look, look at you. Look how horrible this is. Because it's adults that I see. I see adults doing this. 90% of the time, it's the adults. I don't see the young person like everyone, hey, young teenager, don't text and drive. Maybe they are. I don't see them. I see all these adults texting and driving. And it's horrible because of the danger of, uh, that, it, that it poses for everyone. So, um, and, and the reason why I say that is don't get caught up like that person. And I wouldn't do that, that website thing. I just, I just feel like, you know what, if I, if I shame everybody, maybe they'll stop doing it, you know, because it's dangerous. 
think it was more when our kids were driving, when they were learning to drive, and like, I want them out there, you're going to be doing this. So, um, but the thing is, don't, let's not drive like that. Let's not have a journey like that where us as mature, should be mature Christians by now, are still doing these things that are dangerous, that are silly, that we know we shouldn't be doing. They're illegal, you know? Um, so what we need to do is, uh, in our journey, is Psalm 119.11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And that, those words are uh, stored up means to be treasured, to treasure something that I might not sin against you. And that word sin is hata, and it means to miss the way or go wrong. And we don't want to go wrong in our walks. We don't want to get lost. We don't want to be crisscrossing uh, Southern California for half the day, spiritually speaking. But we want to just get there. And that's the desire for us, for our children, is that don't mess with life. Don't mess with the things of the world. It's going to destroy you. You may not recover. And I don't want to see that. I want to see you go forward. I want to be pleasing like the Lord is pleased. He's delighted with us when we're in his word, when we, when we guard it, when we guard our hearts. Psalm 1914 says this, Let the words of my heart and the, med- and the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. He's done so much for us. He's saved us from spending eternity in hell that we want this. We want to turn around and, and please be pleasing to him. You know, here's a couple of verses I want to share with you. Because you know what? Many of us, we, we may be doing that. And, and I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. And praise the Lord if I'm preaching to the choir on this. It's like, yeah, man, I'm going ahead first to the Lord. I, those distractions, I plan everything. I wake up in the morning and I pray and I say, Lord, guard me from this, guard me from that person, that thing, that whatever, and help me to have a day that is pleasing before you, planning out your day and how you're going to live it. But a lot of people, like I said, out there are like those verses of 14 and, and what 17 or whatever about the evil. They don't know the Lord. They don't have God and they're on a road of, of, towards destruction. The bridge is broken, and they're heading out there over 100 miles an hour. And some of them don't know it. Some do. And these verses uh, I want to share with you. Isaiah 45, verse 21 and 22 says, There is no other God beside me, a righteous God and a Savior. And there, there is none except me. He says, Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is no other. For the person that's out there knowing that they're in the wrong direction, maybe even knowing that there is no other God, knowing and gladly saying, I don't mind, I don't care, I want you to know this is, at the very least, is that you're loved by God. You are loved by God. Turn to me and be saved. He doesn't want anyone to perish. All the ends of the earth, that means you too. That means you, if you're at the point where you're thinking, you know what, I've done so much wrong, he doesn't want me anymore. He's probably written me off. He hasn't written you off. He knows you're headed towards danger, and he's trying to get you to make a U-turn and go towards him. Turn to me and be saved. My prayer this morning is that for all of us that are following the Lord, that we would stay the course. That we wouldn't make a left or a right but in going the course that we would avoid all the sin, all the pitfalls. And that for the person that doesn't know the Lord, that they would realize that the Lord wants them. He wants to spend eternity with you. You know, and so my heart is that you would hear the instruction and the wisdom, much like Solomon is giving his son, that you would hear the wisdom and the, the, the words, the words of, of God, the words saying, you know, come unto me. Come to me and you'll have rest. Stop fighting against the world. Stop living in darkness. You know there's no fun there. The conviction and the shame that you're walking in that you won't admit is destructive. And my prayer is that you would turn from that, from the evil, and head towards the Lord. Let's uh, let's bow our hearts and pray as they pass out communion. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word, your faithfulness, your goodness, your love. We thank you, Lord, for your love for this world. Lord, I pray that people would hear your word and change. 
I pray pre- people would know that, that the, the road they're on, the destruction they're on, the road to destruction, that they would, they would realize. If they don't know, Lord, help them. Speak to them. Give them a dream. Put someone in their path so that they would recognize that they're going, headed the wrong way. Lord, I pray for salvation for people today, that they would turn from evil and turn to you and cling to what is good, as your word says. Lord, I pray for those that are following you, that we would not have, along our journey, somewhere along the line, have redefined sin or, just re, or justified it. Lord, I pray that we would have desires, and of our heart would be to please you and to live right and to avoid all the pitfalls. Lord, I pray for the young people, that the young people would hear the wisdom of their parents. I pray that the parents would have biblical wisdom to give their kids. I pray, Father, that we would have the words and the right words and the right way to say it. Lord, I pray that people would just know that your love and that would come to you so that they can truly know your love.